I chatted with the uh, guy at Elizabeth Station oh. about the Co-Hops podcast. Oh, Because he'd asked fantastic. me if I'd had this before, and I was like, nope. He's like, then why are you buying it? <laughs> Ooh, that's ominous. That's funny. It's like, because it's cool. I like Thelonious Monk, whatever. I've never, yeah. He asked me if I know who Thelonious Monk is, and I was like, I don't know. Oh, wow. That's funny. I don't. It's like a hidden secret. Like, nobody's supposed to buy the beer except for people that know what's up. Yeah. And Daniel bought it, and he's like, you don't know who Thelonious Monk is? You don't deserve <laughs> this beer. Yeah. Like, well, he holds it ransom. You cannot buy this uh-huh. beer. You have to go. Write me a 10-page essay on who Thelonious Monk <laughs> yeah. is. Welcome back to the Co-Ops Podcast. This is episode 31. Uh, as always, well, not as always, we have a unique lineup today. Um, we've got Nick with us. Howdy. And always myself, Garrett. Uh, but we have a, a guest, a friend of the show, friend in meat space, Daniel. Meat space. <laughs> I don't know if I like that. <laughs> yeah. What else would you call it? What else would you call reality besides meat space? I think it's a perfect. Maybe. It's a perfect. We could call it the meta. Description. Reality. N- no. No. <laughs> Not the meta? Mm-mm. No. No. Meat space is better than reality. <laughs> Oh, man. Here I am desperately trying to think of all the ways that cyberpunk novels have described the real world. And I think (laughs) uh, the answer is that the real world in those books is just so boring to everyone that they don't even think about it. And they refer to the (laughs) digital world with cool names anyway. Exactly. So why can't we have meat space? (laughs) The meat space is uh, one of the drawers in the fridge. Oh, God. Uh, Depends. Depends on your perspective, I guess. (laughs) I age my beef what in if, meat space for extra flavor. <laughs> yeah, but what if you're a vegan? Then it doesn't, it's not. It I age work. my uh, my chicken with an apostrophe instead of a vowel mm-hmm. in the meat space mm-hmm. for extra age flavor. Age tofu. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, this week uh, we have a, a what I would consider a unique beer. It's got an interesting name. Um, it's got Brother Thelonious. Nick, why don't you tell us more about it? Yeah. So this is from North Coast Brewing Company in California, I believe. Um, I, Fort Bragg, California. Uh, it is a Belgian-style Abbey Ale, and it is named Brother Thelonious as kind of a pun. I will I will just read the uh, the description from the website. Uh, With all the interest in Belgian ales and in the monasteries that brew them, it's time to remind the world that here in the U.S. we have a monk of our own. Jazz legend Thelonious Monk is the inspiration for North Coast Brewing's Belgian-style Abbey Ale. With an ABV of over 9%, this strong, dark ale is rich and robust. Uh, Available in a handsome 750 milliliter bottle with crown and capsule finish or 12-ounce four-packs, which is what we all got. Not I. I got the beautiful bottle. Oh, very nice. I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. Mine is mine is a bottle. It's just a squat bottle. Yeah, same here. But yeah, it is uh, produced under a licensing agreement with the the Thelonious Monk Estate. Uh, and they make a donation from the sale of every bottle and keg uh, to the jazz education programs of the Monterey Jazz Festival. Oh, hmm, I'm going to have to check out this legendary jazz artist. He's uh, he's really, really good. Uh, I was actually listening to some jazz earlier tonight. Uh, Dave Brubeck this time, but I, I really like jazz. I really like Thelonious Monk in particular. Um, 
There is a song called Monk's Dream that uh, is probably his best known uh, insofar as jazz artists. Like, I feel like all the great jazz artists, they just have a style and you listen to whatever whatever album and like it's i'm hard pressed to remember the names of very many uh names of uh jazz songs like monk's dream is among them uh take five by dave brubeck among them but um jazz is so much it's so little about the songs i think and so much more about the style and the groove i don't know i'm just gonna be (laughs) a a, a jazz snob uh over here uh but that's that's totally fine because all I can think of <laughs> when I think of the last jazz anything I listened to was the Cowboy Bebop soundtrack. Oh, that's so good. And that's oh, it. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, what is, what is the theme song called? Cannon? Tank. Or Thunder? Tank. tank. See? I, I had it. It was, it was around there. Yeah. I love yeah, it. Yeah, Tank. What a great show. I need to watch that again. Daniel for the save. For the save. The bottle does say it's bottled Bebop as well. Yes, it does, actually. I meant to mention that, and I forgot. Uh, Down at the bottom of the label, below the beautiful portrait. Oh, now I see it. I didn't see it before, (laughs) but like actually on the art, it's like him playing piano. I just, that that went right over my head. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I guess I forgot to mention he is a piano player. That That is his deal. But yeah, very, very cool. A monk and a piano player. That's impressive. Yeah. It's just the coolest name to Thelonious Monk. It's just great. Yeah, we also have a uh, lovely, in our tradition, uh, we have a beer advocate review. Would anyone else like to read this or should I take it? Uh, You know what? I think we should uh, have Daniel read it. Fantastic. He's been listening to us prattle on about beer advocate reviews and video games and how much we're wrong. So, you know, let's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's let him let's let him uh, uh, read this. So Taika Takahashi from California rates it at a 3.77 out of five. Look five, smell four and a quarter, taste three and a half, feel two and a half, overall four. I don't know. This smells like about a 4.3. Uh, the, all these these uh, tiny gradations are always silly to me. Like, you know, hmm, the what? the smell's pretty light. I'd put it at a, like a 3.33, repeating, of course. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Of course. Yeah. Uh, this has a fractal rating. <laughs> so the review. Look. Beautiful. No words can describe. <laughs> except these. Reddish amber, clear but dark, foam a bit yellow, persistent foamy head. When I look at it, my desire to drink beer increases how all beers <laughs> should be. <laughs> <laughs> smell <laughs> like your mom made a banana bread loaf and set it on the table to cool you pause way too long after your mom smells like your mom but you being a little shit ripped off a piece of the loaf <laughs> and then the whole loaf dried out because you let the steam escape you dumb shit <laughs> you can see why I picked this review. Oh, that was amazing. Warm, clove, bready, bananas, malty, and molasses. Taste. Spiced ale, kind of like rum-soaked cake, a bit fruity, cloves, small alcohol taste, a little bitter, molasses. Feel. A bit dry, creamy AF, <laughs> like that bussy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not much carbonation, cool. smooth. Overall, I feel like this would be amazing with food. However, by itself and get a bit too much, and at least for me, it gets stuck in my throat a bit. 
Creamy beers are not my thing, and I prefer my beers to be refreshing, but this is not. Would buy again to eat with a nice meal, though. That's a interesting. I that's a solid right. impression. As soon as you started talking about banana bread, I'm like, why do I now taste bananas? <laughs> mm-hmm. It does have that very heavy, and like I think the molasses is the thing. I think so too. Yeah. But yeah, it is. It is pretty heavy. It's it's good, but um, yeah, it is thicker than I expect a beer to be, which is a little bit off putting. <laughs> It is, yeah. I wasn't really expecting that. It does look beautiful, though. It does. You know what? And it it, it might just be because it's not an IPA and it's not a hazy IPA, <laughs> but I really enjoy this. Like every sip that I take, it's it's interesting. It's so much different than juice and just hot bitter flavor. It's got a high octane for a beer. I mean, it's nine point four percent. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't I don't taste the you know the up in percentage of alcohol in it. It feels smooth it has a very interesting flavor and it's consistent right right up front you kind of get that molasses the kind of the that was the best imagery you know like fresh banana bread yeah and then it just is the same all the way through there's no like bitter aftertaste um it's just smooth it is really smooth yeah i don't know yeah. if ipas have ruined it ruined things for me but like the guy describes it as a little bitter but i'm almost getting no bitterness from this yeah it's a it's a wee bit bitter to me uh it's mm-hmm. only 27 ibus so it's not uh totally crazy but it is a little bitter a little more bitter than i tend to expect from this uh this particular color of beer i guess <laughs> i expect mm-hmm. ambers uh which this looks like a very dark amber um maybe a scotch ale but those are the kinds of things i expect to have very little bitterness at all um and just be mostly malty um and this is this is quite malty um but it's uh it does have a little bit of a kick to it uh i think the the reviewer is right this would be really excellent with food but i don't think mm-hmm. it's bad on its own yeah this would be good with a nice heavy meal i think i think i would go into a coma if i had it with a nice heavy meal <laughs> i'm like i want some like light roast chicken and some green beans and i'll be good to go man i was thinking like maybe chicken soup in a bread bowl i'm thinking like mm. meatloaf and a bunch of mashed potatoes oh yeah and turkey uh, along with the meatloaf and uh maybe a turducken alongside of that nice yeah oh, my garrett God. looks like he's gonna pass out <laughs> yeah i just <laughs> Got got sleepy thinking about all that food. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Got food on the brain. <laughs> when do I not have food on the brain? Uh, it's the placebo effect. Uh, <laughs> tryptophan coma. From the imaginary traducan. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really the combination of duck meat that really pulls it off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah. it sounds like we have... Um, kind of universal, we like this. Yeah. Opinions yep. about the beer, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, the more uh-huh. I drink it, the more I'm liking it. It was uh, different. I don't know why I expected anything different because it is heavy and rich and robust uh, and dark. And those are all things that they told me it would be in the description. <laughs> but I I picked this in large part because I knew it would be pretty different from the stuff that we usually cover. Uh, and like Abbey style ales are a thing uh less so in the pacific northwest where the ipa craze has gone totally nuts but Mm -hmm. um definitely a popular breed of beer that i'm happy that we got to represent and also let me talk about jazz for a moment so great (laughs) hey all good things yeah and i think you've inspired me to try some more interesting things 
Like maybe a double IPA. Whoa. <laughs> oh, no. man. Is Have it I time got the double IPA for you? Beak Breaker Part beak 2. Beak Breaker. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not again. Not again. Uh uh, if they have like a a beak destroyer, a triple IPA, <laughs> if they have like mm-hmm. the next level of beak breaker, I almost feel like I have to try it just to know. No, it would be called the beak breaker breaker. I mean, breaker there's always the beak bomb. Oh, yeah, maybe. You know what? We're gonna have to do a, like a, a stream. And you guys are gonna have to stay <laughs> at my house because you can't have a double IPA and a shot of Everclear and go anywhere for like four hours. So. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll have to do a beak breaker uh, during the stream. I like that. That I I think we should kick off our first in person fighting game stream with some beak bombs. Ooh, that sounds like a good idea. All right, summer twenty twenty two. Let's uh let's see that happen. It's a Excellent. bold promise. I'm excited. Well, what about what we've been playing or collecting? Uh Daniel, our esteemed guest, why don't you <laughs> kick it off? You know, I've been slowly building up my gaming collection. This podcast has been getting me into it a little bit more. Yeah. And we're I... a bad influence. Yeah. <laughs> no, Zach's a bad influence. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it is Zach. It is ninety percent Zach. Yeah. Actually it was Zach that got me onto this deal. Got a Xbox 360 that works for 30 wow. bucks. Oh, Just that's cool. nice. I walked through ankle deep puddles to get it about an hour ago, so my feet are still wet. Oh, no. Yes. That's a, <laughs> that's a great though. deal. Oh, yeah. I can, I can understand why Zach did not take it, though, because last I checked, he had seven Xbox 360s. <laughs> Might have been six. Um, well, at least I know where to go when mine breaks. <laughs> exactly. I've, still, I've, got, I've got the. Um, the Xbox, the first Xbox 360 Elite, it's like the black console, and oh, then yeah. it's got the clip-on hard drive on the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty sure that the hard drive is going bad. Oh. I can I can work around that, but two of the USB drives have failed, and uh, I feel like it's on its last legs. Oh man, I have the Elite as well, and I'm pretty sure it's the Elite I bought on the launch of the Elite. Uh, back mm-hmm. when like having an HDMI port was one of the selling points of the Elite <laughs> and what made it special. Totally wild, but. Uh, <laughs> that that thing also doesn't have built-in Wi-Fi, uh, and so I was uh, I went to go use it oh, for the yeah. first time in a while when I played Clive Barker's Jericho actually, and uh, I realized wait I can't actually connect this thing to the internet because my modem is like through a wall from here, and uh, I was thinking about buying a 360 wireless adapter, and then I thought I should just ask Zach, and he was like, oh yeah, I'll. Yeah, I've got one. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he has six. I saw it on Reddit the other day, and they said gaming's biggest, uh, I think it was like gaming's biggest joke, and it was the USB Wi-Fi adapter. Yeah. That thing is spotty as hell. Is so bad. <laughs> it's not but great. But I played so many hours of multiplayer games, probably skipping around in lobbies playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, <laughs> just like teleporting around <laughs> with my stupid little uh, wireless. Because I think the Elite was the first time that the N wireless came out. The original one was like the G with the single antenna. <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> yeah, mine has, has two antennae. Um, yeah, when I was growing up, I always just plugged it in to, to corded, yeah, like yeah. wired. Because mm-hmm. back in my day, the internet was wired. Yeah, that's just what it was. <laughs> Yeah, I think we we talked last episode about the magic of wireless controllers and how the first time you experience one that actually functions, it is incredible. Because um, I love the WaveBird t- to a degree that is not rational, uh, despite there being like noticeable lag. 
Uh, you should be using a wired GameCube controller, but it's just so fancy. What is the Wavebird? I've heard you reference this before. Oh, yeah. Okay. You've so, never heard of the Wavebird? I've never heard of the Wavebird. <laughs> the Wavebird oh, is a wave deceptively uh, radical name for what <laughs> is essentially a big, fat, light gray hunk of plastic. Uh, it is a GameCube controller, but it's... Uh, it's like it's distended a bit because it has the the guts in it to uh, have uh, infrared wireless, uh, and so you set it to a channel with a little dial uh, on the bottom of the controller, and then you plug in a little dongle uh, to your GameCube uh, that you set to the same channel, and that's how you program your uh, your wireless to work. Okay. So Daniel, I want you to do an exercise with me really quick. Like physical exercise because I don't do that. No, 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 mental. Okay, mental, mental. <laughs> Good. The only physical exercise is closing and opening your eyes, which you already do. So, uh, cl- I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine that you're holding onto a GameCube controller. Now, have you have you experienced this before? Have you held a GameCube controller? Yeah, briefly, not as much as uh, any other controller. Okay. I know they're weird. They're a bit. Yeah, okay. They're a bit. So, fucky, so you keep, keep your eyes closed. Okay. Keep your eyes closed. Jesus okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. So now, imagine that the hollow plastic is now filled <laughs> with about four more pounds of electronics and plastic. Okay? So you're feeling the weight. You promised me no yeah, physical like exercise. Like in the center. No, I didn't. And now this you're talking is, about This is all with your brain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it does not flex. Um, and it sometimes loses connection when you're playing games. Because mm. it's infrared. But it's, but it's wireless. It is. And it, and it and has like probably a quarter of a second of lag pretty consistently. So it sounds yeah. like it's got enough frustration and enough weight involved in it. When you throw it, it'll go through the drywall instead of just denting it. Pretty much. Yeah. Cool. I mean, Nintendo stuff is, you know, nothing if not sturdy. Yeah. <laughs> probably more sturdy than your walls. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of kind of circling back, I mean, since you've been uh, collecting and you specifically picked up a 360, is there a game that is like something that you're looking to play or uh, or is there a, a prize piece of your collection from the 360 that made that purchase important? You know, I the 360 is like a big, uh, uh, I got a lot of feels around the 360. Like I remember first getting it and not having enough money for a game. And so my best friend at the time bought Gears of War, which had just come out. And a new uh, controller, and then we just co-opt that entire game. It was amazing. Uh, uh, I hope you're still friends with this person. I am, I am still friends with them at okay, the time and currently, but at the time as well. But like I've been thinking with the Spec Ops review coming up, I've been thinking about playing Spec Ops The Line through it. Mm, that's know? cool. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. The yeah. Fable games, Fable 2 in particular, because this is like mm-hmm. the only way to play Fable 2 is on the console. They have 1 and 3 on PC, but 2... Nah, you don't need to play two. Yeah. The middle one in the series, you don't need to play that on PC. No, nah. yeah. well, you can. Yeah, arguably the best. They, yeah, it's they, insane. They did not have two on the PC, but it is on Game Pass. If you have a one or a Series X or S, okay, whatever their stupid naming series is. But yeah, yes, yeah, you can play it on there. I don't have any um, of the I modern have, Xboxes. So, oh, I was I was gonna say if you don't own Fable Two, I have uh, an Xbox. Oh my God. The name escaped me. What was the X before the Series X? Uh, Xbox One X. 
There you go. I've got one of those sitting in a closet <laughs> because I have a Series X. Yeah. Um, so if you wanted to borrow it, you can. Why can't Microsoft name their consoles properly? It's so frustrating. And I like, think that that's an entire podcast oh that we God. can explore <laughs> and be frustrated about. But And I don't know. I don't remember if we actively corrected him but listening back to the episode with chip uh he definitely mistaked he made mistakes wow i just can't talk tonight um this must be a heavy beer um he mistakenly called the xbox series x something that he didn't that was not accurate and i remember (laughs) like flinching a little bit every time he said it (laughs) i think i remember that listening at least well well, speaking of uh, flinching, what have you been, what have you been playing, Nick? <laughs> yeah, uh, I have been playing the latest Pokemon game, um, Pokemon Legends. Oh God, I was gonna look up how to pronounce this. It, it is either Arceus or Arceus, um, but it is uh, the name of the, the god Pokemon. Basically, uh, it is the mythical creator of everything in the Pokemon universe, and. Uh, mm. This game is really interesting because the the concept is that you as a modern youth have been teleported back in time to uh, time and space uh, to like approximately feudal era Japan, um, but it's called Hisui. Um, I, f- I forget exactly which part of Japan this is supposed to be, but it is sort of um, more... Uh, more countryside and there's quite a lot of different biomes and such but uh yeah there's this extra dimensional portal that is causing some problems in this area and you have fallen out of it as well so you're destined to go fix some of those problems but it is really fast it is really fascinating because it functions very different differently from your standard pokemon game um the Pokemon just kind of exist out in the wild. They don't just show up as random RPG encounters. They, they're out there and you can just throw a ball at them and just catch them. And you're incentivized to catch kind of a lot of them because your Pokedex entry isn't fully completed by catching one of them anymore. Uh, there are certain tasks you have to do uh, of which catching is one of them, but there are several ranks of each task. And so maybe to fill the Cyndaquil um pokedex entry you have to watch it use ember a few times and that's one of the criteria and once you get enough points uh like research points you fill out the whole uh pokedex so you sit in a bush and you wait for an ai pokemon (laughs) to go fire well no uh you you use it in combat um okay or or you fight against it and see it do that but uh all that matters is that you see it use the move and then that's that's like one of the the things that you can use to increase your research level you're skipping over the most interesting part of this time travel in a pokemon game yeah it's it's cool so the the technology is really interesting because it's very old um this game has crafting in it uh and you craft your own pokeballs um they're made this isn't the first time this has happened. Like second gen had uh, apricorns that you could craft pokeballs out of, but these are these look like they're made out of something that fell out of a tree. the The styling of the pokeballs is very rustic. Don't they shoot off a little firework whenever you catch something? They do. It's really cute. 
Um, and and apparently they like they don't have the technology uh, inside them that the modern Pokeballs do that like turns Pokemon into energy and stores them inside uh, in like basically a pocket dimension. Uh, what what these do apparently in this region at this time Pokemon just have the ability to shrink themselves really small and so by oh my God. a Pokeball is just a little shell that you use to to house them when they shrink themselves really small and it's very funny to picture oh that um, I was picturing that you were going to be like they kind of get crushed by it and like <laughs> yeah. and then you just see like little flippers coming out the <laughs> side of the Pokeball it's just like Oh, Every time man. you deploy your Pokemon, it has to reassemble it from the pile of mush inside of your ball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything's a ditto. Everything's a ditto. <laughs> Hold on. Let me it's just, just pour out my Pikachu real quick. Oh, <laughs> let, let's let's reconstitute my Pikachu. <laughs> uh, Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yeah. Did you buy a physical copy of this? Uh, I did not. I could not find one, so I bought it mm. digitally. I will um, disapprove on Zach's behalf. Yeah, I I would have liked to have gotten it in in person, but I I couldn't wait. Um, yeah. Oh no, I'm wrong. That was a different game. <laughs> I'm totally wrong. Um, uh, that was Elden Ring, which we'll talk about later. Uh, no, I have a physical copy of this. I was able to wait. Um, All right, I, I might want to borrow it because yeah. Tally was curious. I'm kind of curious. I've been hearing good things about it. And I'm not generally a Pokemon fan. I played through Sword, um, and Sword's good. Uh, this is enjoyed it, and this is different. And this seems different enough for me to check it out. Yeah, it it's really different. cool. the The way that they handle like this this feels like what a modern Pokemon game should be. And mm -hmm. I am hearing rumblings that the next uh, generation of regular Pokemon games, Scarlet and Violet, will have mechanics similar to this which i could not be more happy about and this mm. this feels like a natural evolution of the wild area from uh sword and shield mm -hmm. which is kind of an open i was i was really impressed with that i really liked that aspect because that was my favorite part of that between, whole game yeah i didn't want to like play another game that was just the same and the wild area was different enough uh, to make it interesting that I could just kind of go and do whatever I wanted. And there were these different environments and different um, conditions that you had, and you would unlock tools to progress and, and go into different parts of the world, which was really cool. And I felt like the expansions were really good too. Yeah. Like being like, here's this new thing. This whole expansion is about this new thing. And, and like they had really big wild areas in those expansions too. Like basically the whole zone was a wild area yeah. and it feels like they were leading up to this. Uh, and it, it fixes, like, there are so many things that annoyed me a little bit about Pokemon that are fixed by this structural change. Mm -hmm. Like, like you get to punch them now as a player character. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't, but you can get hit by them and you will pass out, uh, and, and faint and drop some of your items. If you do, uh, if you get hit by too many of their attacks, um, Pokemon have different dispositions, uh, some uh, based on the Pokemon type they are. Some will run away, uh, some will fight you, uh, and they'll like throw attacks at you. And um, and some are docile and they'll just sit around. Um, they'll just like keep going hmm. about their business if they see you. But you kind of sneak up on them and, and toss balls at them. And what that what that does of not necessarily requiring combat for catching Pokemon is that you end up 
doing combat a lot less, and so you're a lot less overleveled for the challenges that you face than you normally would be in a Pokemon game. Like, usually about a third of the way into any given Pokemon game, if I'm not actively switching out my party members to decrease their overall, the overall level of the party, I tend to be pretty overleveled for everything that I'm doing. And this mm -hmm. fixes that by making combat happen when you want it to. Does that make the game, well, I guess is this game more difficult than the other ones? Because like, at least for me, most past Pokemon games have been extremely easy. Yes, and this this kind of puts the difficulty in your own hands because you can choose to grind and make yourself overleveled. Uh, but by default, it is pretty. It is comparatively difficult. Like it's not crazy hard, but it is uh, mm -hmm. definitely more challenging and more more interesting. Um, yeah, it's mm. it's really wonderful uh, and. I mentioned last week also, but this seems to have taken the Breath of the Wild style guide directly. Uh, it has the same font. It has some of the same sound effects, I'm pretty sure. Um, it has a similar musical style of that sort of like uh, fluttering piano score. Um, the ability uh, to cook Pokemon into delicious meals. <laughs> you can cook delicious meals. You just don't make them out of Pokemon. You make oh, them out okay. of like roots and stuff you've lost my interest yeah and i guess they're not they're not technically delicious meals they're like healing potions and mm -hmm. snacks and and various things but there is crafting mm -hmm. in this game which is really cool it's just a really smart evolution of what pokemon is and i gather that this was kind of an experiment and i think this experiment went very very well and i hope that this is what pokemon is into the future because it is uh it's so improved especially uh, being able to compare it to brilliant diamond and shining pearl which are pretty traditional remakes of the worst generation of pokemon uh and it's it's still captivated me for like 30 something hours uh playing um <laughs> shining pearl but uh i was not enjoying it the way that i'm enjoying this and it's it's really really excellent so i i sure hope scarlet and violet are just like this this is uh yeah. all this all of these are game freak correct like this latest one is game freak as well yes they are all game freak uh ex oh sorry uh, um shining that's... pearl wasn't wasn't yeah so brilliant yeah. diamond and shining pearl were remakes uh headed up by a different studio uh but the original game was by game freak so i forget exactly what that studio was but i get the impression that they're a uh like a, a port house basically um like uh uh, Iron Galaxy used to be. Yeah, I mean, Ga Game Freak, the, the you know, they made, what is it, Tom Tombo the Elephant? Is that the name of it? <laughs> that sounds Tomba? right. I... No, not Tomba. It's Tom, I think it's Tombo. It's weird. Oh, yeah, because it's like Rambo, but with an elephant. Yeah. That game was interesting. They also made um, a really expensive GBA game that has a rumble pack in it. It's like Drill Hero. It's not Mr. <laughs> Driller, because that's something else. Um, huh. Okay. All right. Brilliant Diamond is made by ILCA, which is I Love Computer Art. Oh. Yeah. They also made Ace Combat 7. Oh, that's cool. And Dragon Quest 11. Huh. Interesting. Okay. That's very interesting. I've always kind of been, like, I played Pokemon back when it was red, blue, and yellow, and 
like I know they've made changes, but it's always felt like too much of the same game for me. And so I appreciate that Game Freak is like going out on a limb to take risks like this because it can be dangerous. They make little changes here and there, but the structure has generally been the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, the best ones are the best ones because they have an interesting story or they do something significant with the mechanics of battle, but still the structure is pretty similar uh, and the way that you interact with the world is pretty similar. And so this is the first time that they've really fundamentally changed that Uh, outside of weird spinoff games like um, uh, that GameCube one um, Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness. I want to say I've heard of it. I've never seen it played Mm -hmm. never played it myself you know it was very weird there are no why uh i i must preface this by saying my memory of this is very foggy and it's from when i played it like 15 years ago uh maybe 20 years ago when it first came out but uh so i'm sure i'm getting things wrong but as i recall in that game uh there are no wild pokemon and uh the pokemon that you catch are from other trainers you steal them basically uh and (laughs) it's a very fascinating puzzling mechanic uh but it is a really Mm. interesting darker take um well i bet you zach owns it and we're gonna make him play it and tell us about it (laughs) yes i played it when i was young three agree and so yes it's uh this is one of those like Baten Kaitos that I like have vague memories of playing when I was young and really enjoyed, but have no, no concept of what they are right now. Hmm. Brief, well, relevant tangent. You aware of the Nuzlocke challenge? I am. I've, I've not tried it myself, but I've watched several uh, Nuzlocke challenge like let's plays. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I would struggle to, uh, I, I would struggle with the emotional attachment that I would develop with Pokemon. What's well, the uh, challenge? I know. <laughs> uh, so the um, the gist of the Nuzlocke challenge for those who are not. Wait, can I guess it? Ooh, go for it. So it's kind of like the honor system, right? So there's probably something like permadeath where if um, a Pokemon faints, like you just you just don't use it anymore. Um. And there's got to be some type of restriction from you fighting stuff because that's how you level up. So you can't like just sit there and grind because that would defeat the purpose of it being challenging because it's Pokemon. That's pretty close. It's it's pretty close. So the main rules that I remember are if a Pokemon faints, you release it. Because um, it's dead. Important part dead. because he's dead. Yes. Uh, the other thing is that you can only catch the first Pokemon you encounter in any given zone. Uh, and so if you fuck it up and you don't catch the first one you encounter, you just don't get a Pokemon on that route. Uh, oh. and it's, so it's making Pokemon not fun. It's, it's hard <laughs> mode. It's extra hard mode, uh, for sure. Um, <laughs> but it, it brought difficulty into the game, uh, and made, it makes for a lot more drama and interest if you're looking for that, I've never felt like I wanted to do it myself because I'm more of a collector. I just want to mm-hmm. catch them all. Uh, and it's hard to resist that urge uh, when I'm spending my time playing it. But watching other people play it, especially in edited like playthroughs where they cut out the boring parts of them just walking around. 
that that I feel like is this is exclusively enjoyable either if you I mean not only just like a proof like streaming it but I mean it's honor system like I could do it and be like hey Daniel I've Nuzlocke challenged all of the Pokemon games what do you think about that <laughs> and you know uh-huh. I mean you could say you oh, did anything Gert. but I feel like it's a I feel like it's like an experience that yeah. is to be shared whether it be video or streaming to be like you know to add that drama to it like you said Totally it's it's one of those things it is a it's not a game that's designed for streaming like Five Nights at Freddy's is but it is a uh, a challenge that is designed for streaming What if they did add jump scares to <laughs> Pokemon Oh man that would be fun uh, There are uh-huh. some uh there are ghosts in this Pokemon world. It's also, I, I suppose, worth noting that this is a much, because it's less industrialized, it is uh, a kind of more dangerous world. And people talk uh, about, like, the dangers of getting killed by Pokemon out in the wild. Hmm. And there's it's, it's like, a little bit darker than you would normally expect. Uh, but also, it is still light and goofy and fun uh but every once in a while there will be characters who are terrified of the ghost pokemon Um, Hmm. it's delightful well you can uh pick up uh pokemon puncher pikachu (laughs) at your local stores or (laughs) e-shops indeed (laughs) uh well i i guess that leaves me unless we want to continue with pokemon but um huge (laughs) release that just happened last friday um thursday for for pc but elden ring yeah um I only to avoid. Go ahead. <laughs> I only didn't add this to the docket myself because I knew you would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've only I've, I I've only played ten hours of it. Um, but you know, I, I'm I've not ever been one to immediately buy one of the Dark Souls or, or Bloodborne games when it comes out. I usually have waited a little while and picked it up late. Um, never played one on release, so this was kind of exciting because. This game um, is an open world. If Okay, so if you've never played a Dark Souls game before, they can be quite linear. You have a couple different choices of where you can go, but this game has a true open world where if you get stuck in one area, you can go somewhere else and go do something. And it's not just you have one choice. You have tens to you know tens plus of choices of things that you can do yeah the uh the traditional dark souls structure is a connected world but this is an open world like there it is a vast plane that you can go walk around and Mm -hmm. yeah exactly there are many different paths you can take uh i think bloodborne did a fairly good job of opening things up to that extent um Mm -hmm. but not not i guess not to that extent because um it is much more uh it's so much more open here it is really kind of incredible and i i'm pretty sure i encountered the boss that i'm stuck on on the main path so to speak after about two hours uh and i've just run around for another five hours doing other stuff uh preparing myself every once in a while i'll go back and try a few times but i feel um I feel like the bosses in this game are harder than they than I'm used to. So I I don't want to get into spoiler territory. I, I was going to be very kind of brief. Um, yeah. Because I was also curious to see if Daniel has has played or has any interest in the Soulsborne game, which we'll we'll get to later. But um, this game, 
gives me very uh, similar vibes to Skyrim. Okay, the last time that a phenomenon like this had happened in like a predominantly single player game, well, I guess an only single player game in Skyrim's case, um, was Skyrim. Um, at the time that Skyrim released, I was working at Best Buy, and I think that Zach and I have talked about this before, so I'm sorry if I'm retelling the story, but no, nah, that's great. Everybody who worked at Best Buy, um, we we got to do this like e-learning with Bethesda and they partnered with Best Buy and on launch day, you could get a free code for PC if you like learned about it so that you could like market the game to customers. And it was anybody who worked at Best Buy. That's brilliant. So I have a screenshot buried somewhere and if I can find it, I'll tweet it. But every single person, almost every single person in my friends list was all playing Skyrim (laughs) on release night. (laughs) And to this, I mean, right now I have my Steam's friends list open right now and there's seven, eight people playing Elden Ring all right now. And I know that there's a bunch more people who are really just kind of like waiting for the weekend to, to play their next session. But I think there was 12, 15, 16 of my friends all playing Elden Ring this weekend. And there's people like me who are playing it on console, too. So like it's not even yeah, a comprehensive exactly. list of all your friends who are currently playing Elden Ring. No, this is just the people playing it on on PC. And so what I mean by that is we were all having different experiences. So every person that I talked to has approached the game in a different way and not just like, I made my character a sorcerer. I made my character a warrior. It's no, I went over here. Like Zach, who's not here was messaging us. And in the most non-spoilery way, he was like, I went to a beach and I fought an octopus monster and it just destroyed me. (laughs) And I was like, I haven't even seen that. And I played for three hours, you know? Yeah. And I, I still haven't encountered that. Uh, I have, I've found one boss fight on a beach, but it's way the hell away from Mm -hmm. anywhere that you probably went. Cause it's down in like the, the bottom right corner of the map uh, and it is not an octopus. <laughs> yeah. And, and so there's this game is, I mean, the dark the Soulsborne games are just oozing with secrets always, you know, yeah. you talk to somebody behind a door and then they have like a quest line. No, every single NPC that you see in the game has a quest line, has something specific that's either time-based or just by talking to them and engaging with them, even to the vendors, um, they have their own little cryptic story that they tell in the traditional Soulsborne fashion. Yeah, but it's you can. It's less cryptic, I think, than it normally is. It's a little yeah. more direct, which I appreciate. I think it strikes a good balance uh, where the traditional Souls style game is just completely unapproachable because so little of the story is told literally. Um, mm-hmm. and I think this, this strikes a good balance where it's mysterious, but it's not incomprehensible. And, uh, Sekiro didn't have a lot of those mysteries, uh, and, but had a, a much more comprehensible and solid story. And that I really liked, yeah. uh, partly because it was different and partly because it was just a good story. But this, I think finds, this is a lot more like your traditional Dark Souls than, even Bloodborne is, but certainly more than mm-hmm. Sekiro is. But it it takes a lot of the best parts of those various games like Sekiro and uh, Bloodborne, um, like mm-hmm. rewarding aggression and um, uh, letting you use stealth. Uh, and it really compiles it all into kind of the perfect From Software game, if, if I'm uh, being honest from my first seven hours in impressions. No, I... I think so too. And and I think that my description to Zach was exactly the same. I'm like, do you like Dark Souls games? 
And he goes, no. And I go, then don't buy this game. Yeah. <laughs> and that and that's what people who don't play Dark Souls games have been asking me. They're like, Garrett, should I buy this game? And I go, do you like Dark Souls? They say no. And I go, then don't buy the game. Yeah. Because, you know, all these media outlets are giving it a 10 out of 10. And I think that that is, that should be taken with a grain of salt because it's 10 out of 10 if you like those games. It's everything. It's a culmination of like, just like you said, Sekiro, Bloodborne, Dark Souls, Demon Souls, all of those things come together to make this an awesome package. Yeah. But if you don't have that reference, I don't think that it's the game for everybody. I don't think that it's a masterpiece that everyone will go, this is this is it. Yeah, it's still a niche product, and it's especially a niche product because it's so difficult. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm very familiar with this kind of game. I have played and beaten almost all of them. I think I've talked about uh, how I haven't beaten the final boss of Sekiro. And I, I tried again for another hour or two um, before Elden Ring came out and I still couldn't do it. Uh, so there you go. But um, but yeah, I I am still like really struggling. There are several bosses that I'm kind of stuck at and I have had to mm-hmm. just leave and come back to later. Uh, so it, it is hard, but it is... Uh, it is one of those games, but it is probably the best example of one of those games that we've had so far. And if you feel like you want to take it on, I think it's the most approachable out of all of those games, mainly because you have so many choices to for what you want to do. And my best advice, if you are feeling adventurous and, and want to try this out and, and you don't like Dark Souls games, but you want to ignore my warnings, <laughs> is um, if you're getting stuck on something, you can just fuck off. You can just go somewhere else yeah. and go do something else in the world. And you're still going to be making progress and discovering things. And it's rewarding. And it, I haven't had a game that has so much discovery like this in a very long time, which is very exciting. I'm constantly finding things and, and having a lot of fun in just the, um, the trial and error process of combat or even just exploration. I mean, this is, the, it sounds crazy, but Besides Sekiro, this is the first from software game that you can jump. Yes. Like, just hmm. put that into your brain. You could not jump in these games before, and now you can jump. Consider also a map. I don't think that's ever been in <laughs> yeah. one of these. No, there's never been a map. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, it is and, amazing. It is these little things that feel like they're just a basic part of video games have just been not part of the formula before, but this is it's taking those little things and and incorporating it in a way that doesn't cheapen the experience or make it less hard. So not to alienate Daniel, but Daniel, (laughs) do you have any love, any experience for any of the from software games? This does not seem like a game that I would see you playing. It's most of the souls like games. Like I want to like, but (laughs) that's a good way to put it. (laughs) I get to the first boss and I die and I lose the progress I've made. And I'm like, okay, I'll come back to that later. And then I never come back to it. <laughs> yeah. From what I've seen from this, it looks exactly like a Dark Souls that has been improved on and made open world and like made better. This is just from, I've played like 30 minutes, 45 minutes of the game. And from what I've mm-hmm. seen other people play, it's like Dark Souls that they've made better an open world. And improved in almost every way. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Zach, we talked about it at work and he went on a long discussion about, oh, he's going to wait to buy it because he's <laughs> like <Of course>. me. 
He's like me. He's not really into the Souls-like games. And then 11 o'clock the next day, he's like, I lied and sends me a picture of yeah. the Elden Rings for the PS5. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. And it looks yeah, it looks really nice. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And yeah, man, if you like Dark Souls, then... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I even... My advice to him was, pl- it was like, Play Jedi Fallen Order. Like, yeah. Zach's a big Star I liked fan. that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. That game's yeah. great. I need to go yeah. back to that. So if you if you enjoyed that game, I think it's a great stepping stone to say that you would like some like something in that vein in, in like a Souls like game. And I would say if you've played Jedi Fallen Order uh and, and enjoyed it and finished it, I would say Elden Ring is my definite like next recommendation i wouldn't say another game before it yeah now having played it it's like the next step up kind of in difficulty yeah yeah neo is a great stepping stone into this kind of stuff as well it's arguably even more complicated because of the various weapons and the stances um yeah but neo, neo is i like to explain it as it's the monster hunters of souls born games <laughs> yeah <laughs> because every mission is instanced you're not in this like great interconnected world <laughs> If you don't like the mission, go do a different mission that's easier, level up, grind, and then go to the next level. Which is actually how Demon's Souls was, so it's kind of bringing it back yeah. all the way to the, the start. But I, I think my recommendation to someone who is totally new to this, who hasn't played any of these, uh, would probably be Jedi Fallen Order. That is great, but uh, if you want to start with From Software, I think Bloodborne is still the best one to start with because it it takes the slowness that these games are known for and basically removes it. Uh, like, like the <laughs> no blocking. The th- yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's one shield in the game and it's a joke. Um, uh-huh. and you have a gun instead of a shield. Exactly. Uh, and, and so, uh, in, in addition to just functioning differently and rewarding aggression rather than being patient and looking for your opening, which can be kind of boring to newcomers, Um, it also teaches you some really valuable skills like parrying, uh, because your gun is basically a parry. If you use it to interrupt somebody's attack, they will stagger a little bit and you can, uh, hit them for more damage or sometimes even do like the, the same attack you would do if you snuck up behind them, uh, or got Mm. behind them, I should say this, which is, which is something that I really enjoy about Elden Ring. They took a, a page from Bloodborne because in Bloodborne, unlike the other souls games when you kill enemies you get the blood files which are your healing and when you when you kill like a pack of enemies or like clear the enemies from a specific zone yeah your flasks refill and that adds to like the big open world aspect of it is hey if you're in a dungeon that doesn't happen if you're in the open world that happens so you can continuously explore and not have to rest and reset the enemies all the time um, for those of you who are not familiar, whenever you like rest at a bonfire or they call it a, a site of grace, mm-hmm. um, it resets all of the enemies in the area. So if you went and almost died and killed like 10 out of 12 guys and then you go and you rest to refill your flasks, uh, they all respawn. <laughs> They're yeah. all back there again. So I thought that that was a nice mechanic to kind of keep the flow of exploration going instead of having to stop every 10 feet. There's also um, 
plenty of checkpoints. Oh my gosh. Uh, Way more than any Soulsborne game ever. So if you feel like you're, there's not only the, the sites of grace, which are the traditional where you sit, level up, spend your runes as they call them in this game instead of souls. Um, but you also have the statues. I can't remember the exact name for them, but they're like the armless statues. Yeah. It's, the, it's uh, statues of Marika. It is there a, you go. a character in, in the story i don't know enough about her yet to be able to say anything but also i wouldn't want right. to because it's a spoiler yeah and i am i'm bad with names so um so statues are they're they're like armless statues and if you pass them there's a little buff that shows and if you die um you can choose to respond at a site of grace which is farther away or you can spawn at a, a statue of marika and that allows you to get back into the combat quicker when you die rather than having to like all right, I'm going to get on my steed and ride all the way over here and go do this thing. It's a, it's a, it's way more forgiving than the previous entries in the series. And and I think because of that, they have felt the like they could make the combat encounters that much harder, uh, because you yeah. don't have to necessarily do every combat encounter leading up from a site of grace or bonfire to the boss or whatever. Um, you don't necessarily have to do that every time. And so uh, the bosses I've found have been especially difficult. They do not really give you time to heal unless you're like, you have to make a conscious decision to spend the, uh, the frame of time where you uh, were able to perfectly dodge their attacks to heal instead of hitting them rather than just having the time anyway um it's it's been particularly difficult but not in a way that i have not enjoyed it's it's a lot of fun i felt a lot less frustration in this game than i have in previous entries just because i can go somewhere else and and the world the enemies do not scale to your level so if you just get one shot by something you probably shouldn't be fighting it you should probably <laughs> go and get stronger elsewhere and come back to it. Yeah, you should probably do but, something else. Or like if you're fighting a boss and you find you're not doing a lot of damage to them as far as their total percentage of their health bar, um, you probably want to go and uh, like upgrade your weapon and come back later. Unless you're an insane person, like I've seen at some of these bonfires, you see shadows of other players. And I'm like 10 hours into the game in like past the first main boss and I'm seeing people in like loincloths and like a prisoner helmet <laughs> with a stick. And I'm like, how, how it must've taken you three hours to kill that first boss. Like, I just, I don't understand you, but there are people that choose to play that way and they can and good for them. There are people I who don't. like Dark Souls do games. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There are, there are some pretty <laughs> weird people who are, who definitely do weird things with these games. Like, like the guy who, uh, played dark souls one with a uh, guitar hero controller oh god mm -hmm. yeah the ddr pad i think somebody's yep. played it with dk bongos that sounds right before yep um it's it's just crazy but um <laughs> i i think that we just kind of glossed over the fact that zach convinced you to buy Elden. did you buy elden ring no i played, a, I played okay. a bit of a friend's copy okay 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 that's good okay it's <laughs> yeah no that's yeah. um that's a good way to go about it because I think, uh, yeah, like we've been saying, this kind of game is definitionally unapproachable and it is good to try it to see if you're okay with that because this is a masterpiece of that type of game. 
but it is still that right. type of game. If anything, yeah. Garrett, your description just there is going to make me convince me to buy it. I'll probably wait oh, until boy. it goes on sale at some point. So give it a couple years, but just yeah, just yeah. I would say just wait a bit. Um, especially on the platform that you would choose. I mean, I I know you to primarily play on PC. There are a lot of performance issues with yeah. the PC version yeah, right now. So I would I would wait, especially being someone who's not used to the Soulsborne combat, I would wait. Um, Because I can stand it, mainly because the bosses don't stutter, but the big problem right now is that there's a bug because of the anti-cheat system in the PC. Oh, um, it's always that, isn't it? Well, it's it's either the DRM, it's usually DeNuvo, but this one is a combination of factors. So um, uh, to get tech nerdy for just a second before we move on great um easy, easy anti-cheat is um a pc um anti-cheat system that um there are two versions one is epic uh easy anti-cheat and one is just easy anti-cheat um it significantly slows and hampers your performance because it's scanning your files to see if they're modified throughout the entire mm, game i see um De Nuvo, as we've talked about previously on the show, is a DRM, uh, a digital rights management software, primarily used on PC to avoid piracy. And studies show that adding De Nuvo just costs the publisher money and brings down player satisfaction because as soon as they remove De Nuvo, most of the performance goes up. Now, I haven't done my research. I don't think that this has De Nuvo. Um, the specific reasons that Elden Ring doesn't work very well is it was developed with DirectX 12. Um, DirectX 12 requires the coders to um, put in lines of code um, for pre-caching shaders. Uh, again, getting super tech nerd. And apparently they didn't do it correctly on their first patch. So oh. the, the patch, the, the, the game that reviewers played, the one point, I think it was like 1.1, um, everyone played and was like, oh my God, this game is amazing. As soon as they enabled anti-cheat <laughs> and added in the day one patch, it broke just about everything. So I have finagled and I've gotten it to, after I play it for 15 minutes, it doesn't stutter anymore. But in the open world, it definitely stutters, um, which is a thing. It's really hard when you're trying to precisely time combat moves doesn't really affect me in the open world, but I could see a new player playing it and going, what the fuck? I hate this. Why did you recommend this game? <laughs> so I would wait. Um, you can message me. Most of the people listening here know how to get a hold of me. Um, we also announce it at the end of every podcast. So I'll be playing it for a while. Um, if you want to know, hey, is it time yet? You know, tweet at me, uh, <laughs> message me in Discord, text me, whatever. I'll tell you when it's it's good to buy the PC version. Uh, if you have a home console, I would highly recommend if you want to pay the $60 for it, um, buy it for a home console right now. Yeah. The only reason that I would say to hold out for any particular platform would be if you want to do co-op because this game does have co-op. I can go off on a whole side tangent <laughs> and, and Nick and I can probably argue about co-op. But yeah. if you want to ever play this game with another person, you should buy it on the platform because it's not cross-play. And that's all I'll say about co-op right now. Yeah, I I uh, co-op is such an interesting thing in in these games, but uh, I do want to chime in. I've been playing it on PS5 um, and I have been having really solid performance it looks really wonderful but it doesn't do anything with the controller uh that's special 
Uh, we've talked about the DualSense controller and how uh, excellent it is and all the cool stuff it does. This game doesn't do anything with that. So get it on any console you want. Get it on the Xbox, whatever. Uh, if I'd known that this was the case, I might have gotten it on the uh, Xbox Series X. Um, just partly because I don't play as many things there and it's nice to, to have... Uh, use for it but uh also because like like we talked about last week we're all all going on uh references to last week uh that uh xbox series x controller is really excellent and uh <laughs> excellent uh and so it's it's uh, a great controller and i think it would be pretty solid for for this kind of game well, for you, those of you who have fallen asleep while we uh, prattle on about Elden Ring and Dark Souls, which yep. are near and dear to uh, Nick and my heart, um, let's move on to the question of the episode, Woo. which uh, this question week was provided in Meat Space by Lauren. It was. Um, so Lauren asks, if you were transported to the last game you played, how fucked would you be? <laughs> and I'm imagining on a scale from like Animal Crossing to Doom. So Daniel... <laughs> Uh, we've alienated you enough with uh, talking about Elden Ring and Dark Souls. Uh, let's start with you, sir. I've been playing, aside from Spec Ops of the Line, which mm. oh boy, would leave you pretty a... thoroughly fucked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cyberpunk 2077. I'm going through for a second playthrough on that. Ooh. I'm, I really love, love Cyberpunk as a genre. Uh, there's surprisingly little... In the terms of games, I mean, kind of in everything, games, movies, good books. Like, cyberpunk is everything that I want in a cyberpunk game. Mm -hmm. And I've talked with people online about, like, a cyberpunk world. How, like, we love to watch it, but living in it would be a... Dear God, that would be hell. Corporations yeah. ruling everything and them just doing whatever they want. This is starting to sound familiar. Uh, <laughs> uh, the the world is increasingly turning into a cyberpunk dystopia. It is really depressing. I don't like that. Like, uh, like you said, the meta. <laughs> the meta yeah. Right? Oh God, they're losing billions of dollars, and they're like, we don't give a shit. We're powerful. They're like, oh, we got billions more. It's fine. <laughs> we kn we know everything about you, so good luck. Yeah. What are you gonna yeah. do? Fight against them? No. Not. I've like. I've heard I've heard people talk about like like actors talking about getting fuck you money where they have uh, the money to say mm -hmm. fuck you to whoever they want to and and turn mm -hmm. down any project they want to. This is the corporate equivalent of that, and that is just yeah. such an incredible <laughs> scaling up of that concept. It is hard to comprehend. Oh my god! Uh, of like, yeah, we can do whatever we want. We don't care about profits anymore. We are. Uh, we have more money than God. Have you seen anything of Meta? No, because I've heard it. I've heard some people compare it to PlayStation Home. I don't know if you remember oh, that. Oh, that's a. I pretty... heard. I heard it's worse than PlayStation Home. Oh, that's no. what that's that's exactly what I heard was that PlayStation yeah. Home was better than Meta. PlayStation How? Home launched in two thousand eight, and Meta is worse than PlayStation Home. How is that possible? I'm kind of well. Sorry, Meta Metaverse. I'm yeah, disappointed sure. in myself that I haven't looked up this Metaverse uh before the podcast I, because i feel like it's vr chat but worse or yes. second life but a less <laughs> weird mm -hmm. I, I i don't know last i heard about the metaverse was that it had a severe groping problem oh boy. i mean the meatverse has a severe groping problem that's a good point that's true yeah yeah meatverse i like that. oh, that's <laughs> good meatverse i think you okay it's now the meat 
the meatverse. <laughs> you found it. You've coined it. Um, there you go. Uh, Daniel said it. Uh, meatverse. meatverse. That's what it is. Yes. You're welcome. Welcome to the meatverse. Uh, <laughs> you like it so, so why particularly would you feel like you would be fucked in Cyberpunk 2077? Because, because you're like everyone, rich. like even as brings to mind Warhammer 40k, like everyone likes to think of themselves as the badass space marine. <laughs> nah, you're gonna no. be the guy. You're gonna be the bottom of the the mm. all the shit rolls. You're downhill. digging the latrines on the shit on the shit world. Oh, absolutely. You're like, yeah, you're 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 latrine digger number three six four five seven two seven seven <laughs> six seven six. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you end in a uh, an even number. That's that's good stuff. Yeah, I'm not going to be the guy with like mantis blades and like jumping two stories and uh, doing mercenary work. Yeah, I'm going to be the guy mm-hmm. that's like walking down the street to his wage slave job and gets yeah. like his arm cut off by a guy running past with mantis blades, and he's like, "Oh, sorry, man." <laughs> uh, yeah. If you're lucky, you'll be the guy who owns the noodle cart. Yes, <laughs> that's my dream to own the noodle cart in a cyberpunk yeah. world. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. Gosh. That. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a tough one, man. That's that's a really tough one. <laughs> Nick, uh, what do you what do you got? Oh man. Uh, so I I've got a few things. Um, I kind of talked about it already, but the most recent thing that I've played is Pokemon. Pokemon Legends, mm-hmm. Arceus, and uh, I i think I would maybe do okay. I think I'm maybe not athletic enough to do the, like, dodge rolls that keep you safe <laughs> from Pokemon attacks, but, um, mm-hmm. and I might not be sneaky enough to sneak up on them, uh, but as long as you're not dumb and go running off in the wilds without any help, uh, you can, it seems like you can kind of survive in that world. Um, it's a medieval mm-hmm. setting, right? It is, yeah. It's it's like approximately feudal era Japan. I have one um, word for you, plumbing. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. Whatever. I just told you about latrine digger uh, number that I can't remember because I made it up on the spot. <laughs> you just dig a hole, you shit in the woods, you cover it up, and you leave. Welcome to distant or a pokeball, Pikachu. and then you throw it away from you. Uh-huh. It's its own receptacle. You you get your water type Pokemon. He'll just blast it away, and it'll be great. Oh my god. <laughs> I was going somewhere different. I thought like, water Pokemon bidet, oh! but that might be cruelty. <laughs> that's genius. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, dude, I've wanted to live in a Pokemon world since I was like eight, and I played Pokemon, and I'm like running around at recess, like I'm catching you, Pikachu. Like all the adults that sounds are like gone. Sc- y- <laughs> All the adults are gone. Bikes are unaffordable. I can be 12 and be out on my own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bikes are the fastest form of transportation that isn't literally riding on a bird's back. And you can't afford it because it's one more than what you have. Yeah. <laughs> than what you could ever have. Oh, man. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It is a really interesting world because it is definitely darker and a little more realistic than your average Pokemon, but it's still pretty bright and cheery. Uh, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but uh, we're currently on hiatus. Uh, but there, I am part of a um, a group that's running the uh, homebrew Pokemon tabletop game, uh, and uh, there there are two of them, and one of them is much better than the other. And I don't remember. Um, I think it's Pokemon Tabletop Unlimited is the one that we play. Um, but sounds better than limited. Yeah, really. Um, 
uh but yeah ptu uh as as the kids call it um but my my game master has created a, a universe that is the pokemon universe but it's it's populated with idealized versions of us and our friend group and so all the npcs except for the ones that are like actual pokemon npcs are like our friends uh, and we're playing fantasy versions of ourselves and so it's this really wonderful way to um like you were talking about the cyberpunk dystopia is a place that sucks <laughs> to live in but the pokemon utopia is a place that's awesome to live in and so mm-hmm. for a few hours every few weeks uh when we were running it uh we would get to feel like we were part of that and it was amazing so i i miss that and i am so happy that pokemon exists as sort of a star trek like utopia that gives you hope that the future might not totally suck yeah we might be able to catch deer in nuts that we've fashioned with a a pocket knife and then we throw and they shrink yes and uh that's how it all starts Man, i'm like halfway there with the local squirrels they're eating out of my hand i just need the ball to put them in yeah Yeah. oh no oh yeah oh no that sounds like that sounds like that's danger, Daniel, I'm the right squirrel there. king. <laughs> yeah, the next time I see you, you're just going to be covered in squirrels. You're like, I can't, I can't shake them. I can't shake oh, them. Oh, man. I don't want to shake I, them. I love them. Uh, I was at the cat cafe earlier today, and somebody was talking about uh, how their neighbor across the street was an old man who liked to solve, uh, to uh, feed the ravens and crows. Uh, and there was a, a really snowy day recently where it was like too snowy to really go outside. And he was just sad that he couldn't feed the ravens. Oh, man, that's that's oh, man. Uh, if I had enough of a relationship with the ravens and the crows to feed them, then I would absolutely go out on a snowy day because they will bring you shiny trinkets and they will be your friends. Yeah. That's what I've heard is that like ravens have long memories and will uh, will retain your friendship for a long time if you get on their good side and they will also bring you things. Mm-hmm. That's what I always yell at my dog uh, whenever there's like a raven or a crow in my yard and it's cawing and she's looking up at it like I'm going to bark at her and I'm going to jump at it. I go, Freya, don't fuck with crows yeah, the- <laughs> because they will remember and they will attack her. Yeah. So far, she has not. Uh, she's been a friend of the crows. So Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's been fine. Yeah, it's like a telltale game. Crow will remember that. <laughs> Crow will always remember that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Well, um, I'm gonna go with the actual the, the the last game that I played, which I had this all lined up and it was perfect. I was gonna be playing uh, Marvel <laughs> versus Capcom three. Oh yeah. Um, which which doesn't it, it doesn't bode well for me in either way, but I was actually just before recording this playing street fighter five with chip and Nick. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I would be absolutely fucked. Like I am not in shape to fight. Um, I also don't know how to throw fireballs or do uppercuts where I jump 10 feet in the air. Yeah. Like I would go in there and you know, I'd be knocked out. So I'd probably be just me with severe brain damage. That sounds like so, I don't think you can throw hands with Blanca. Yeah, the creature that can literally stick his hands in the ground and just create an elec- uh, an electrical field with his whole body yeah. for no reason. You can take yeah, it. I believe in you. Probably could. He's got fangs. He bites people. Uh, he can turn into a spinning ball of death and go across the entire screen. Yeah, I could totally. You've I got could, girt power. I could you fight can fight him. him. Yeah. The How about Rashid, yeah, who 
dives off walls and summons wind gusts to no, knock you absolutely out. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I can barely react in the video game. How do you think I'm going to be like, oh, fuck, and then just get hit by a tornado thrown 10 feet in the air and then break my legs? Yeah. Because I'm not a video game character. So exactly. I'd be like, please, can I just be the announcer? <laughs> like, let me be one of the background characters. You got kicked like, 30 times care. by Chun Li. That's a shame. Uh, hey, man. There's a beach level. I'll put on a fucking bikini and just start <laughs> jumping up and down in the ba- in the background yeah. of that that beach level. I don't care. I just don't want to die. <laughs> I don't want to die today. Oh man, uh, that that just reminds me of the SNK, the old like uh, late '90s SNK games where there would be just so much animation happening in the background of every level and then as soon as like the the round ends the animation speed doubles and so the like bikini girl jumping in the background would like jump at inhuman speed for a couple seconds (laughs) that that was always a joy if you had to live in a fighting game which one would it be though hmm uh, it depends. Okay, dead or alive I answer your (laughs) 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 no um, but the physics, Garrett, think of the physics. Uh, no. <laughs> Mortal Kombat, because no. you wouldn't last long. You mm. wouldn't suffer for very long. <laughs> well, apparently you just come back from the dead all the time because you'll either be retconned in or the new round will start. So Yeah, they'll time travel and then make you, know? you happen again. So I guess, okay, before I answer, follow-up question, Daniel. Mm. Do I get the powers of that universe? Do I, like, mm. just, like, a random assortment of powers, or do I have to be myself? Oh, you're yourself. Because myself? Oh, absolutely yourself. Yeah. <sighs> No, then I'm not giving you any I advantage think... in this. Hmm. Okay, then then hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, I think that I would, if I had to be in a fighting game, a uh, Virtua Fighter. Okay. Because it's like grounded and, you know, people aren't throwing fireballs. Um, it's a little bit. You know, realistic. I think over time, over a couple, I think I'd be the one fighting game character that you would play. And at first it would say, help me. Oh, God, please help me when you selected me. But I would learn. I would learn over time. And, you know, I would probably get in shape from getting my ass whooped all the time. Um, but eventually, eventually, maybe I could do a judo throw. Nice. Everything else, no. They're throwing fireballs. I can't throw fireballs. Yeah. You know, sense. I, I'm kind of I'm thinking about it. And I'm wondering if I might not feel at home in Persona 4 Arena. Because I, I think I have enough, like, emotional problems to sort out to find a persona. and uh, Yeah, but that's Arena, man. They, they already have that all done. Yeah, you would have point. to go into Persona first and then get it. <laughs> that's a good point. If you were just like Nick, you would have, um, I don't know any of the characters' names, but you would have the ballerina dancer with the blade wings shooting fireballs at you and knives and you would just die. Oh yeah, over and over again. Yeah, I, I and forget. You'd be like persona. <laughs> yeah, I forget her persona's name, but I'm pretty sure that's Yukiko that you're thinking of. Um, but yeah, it's it's good stuff. Well, when I get my Steam Deck, I'll find out for real. But until yeah. then, I refuse to learn their names. <gasps> oh, oh, oh! I'm sorry. I'm I'm already breaking our new rule. Persona 4 uh, Arena Ultimax, which is coming out on PC and PS4, is getting rollback this summer. Woo! Uh, so except, more Arc System Works games, except, they're coming out, they're going to roll back. Except? Except on Switch. Except on Switch. Yeah. No, we don't care about fighting games on Switch. No. We don't talk about fighting games on Switch. But that's what I own, uh, the Power Rangers game on. Same. Uh, it has rollback netcode, yeah. so. Yeah, but you fine. don't care that's about Switch. Weird. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. Garrett. You own it on that, but that's fine. Come on. It's fine. Power Rangers is it? A- I will buy you Power Rangers <laughs> on PC. <laughs> it is kind of How amazing. Uh, that Power Rangers is such a paragon of like how to 
manage fighting game uh, like online play because it has rollback netcode. It has cross play across every system. It is really impeccable. Well, it's I interesting. It's, they they're such a paragon of paragon of fighting games is because it's such a paragon of a TV show. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the perfect show. It is. It is. Which one? Which one are you talking about? Which of the eight Power Rangers shows are you oh, thinking of? You know that one. The Dino uh, the Power one with the guys. Uh, 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 Power Power Rangers Dino Dino Bots. Yeah, the Dinobots Max. Yeah, with d- the, Dino Decepticon the Turtles. Extreme Power Rangers extensions. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah. Nick knows what. Nick yeah, knows Power Rangers. Up. Power Rangers Z. Power Rangers. Z. Yeah, that's the best one. Max Zeta Force. Uh huh. Zeno Max. Well, um, Power Rangers. Lauren, Police thank Quest. you for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> is there actually a Power Rangers? Police? There, there is a police. No, okay, okay, okay. Power Rangers. It's fine. Moving right along. We got we we got we got we got we got to move away from this this. Uh, uh, it's my fault. I started talking about fighting games. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Lauren, thank you again for your question in the Meatverse. Um, yeah. It was very much appreciated. Very fun to talk about. Um, Thanks you... from the resident for the resident uh, druid. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, Zora says hi. <laughs> well, um, if you would like your question answered, uh, you can. Uh, tweet at us you can email us you can uh yell at us in the meatverse as well um yeah really you know us um but uh beer check-in how is everybody feeling about Thelonious? it's good (laughs) oh you took it okay (laughs) to quote that's fair it's good that's fair that's fair daniel uh i did the only reason i stopped at two and eighty percent Ooh. Is because man, uh, I should have eaten something before this episode. Yeah, it gets on top of you. I'm getting belligerent. Sure. <laughs> Dude, you got a hunk of plastic right behind you. I can see it behind your shoulder. Oh, yeah. You can just gnaw on that for a little uh-huh. bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure chewing on a portable PlayStation is probably not gonna do any significant damage to it. Those things are tanks. Yeah, it won't harm me at all either. Yeah, yeah, you'll, yeah, you'll get, you'll get, well, you'll get distracted and then just play Playstations. So it's okay. Yeah, it's a win-win. <laughs> You'll still be hungry, so it's a win-win lose. You'll be hungry, but you'll be playing Metal Gear Solid, so you'll be fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, just VR missions. You're only playing VR missions. But yes, I liked it. It was, uh, I'm normally, I've turned into an IPA guy, but uh, Belgian-style Abbey Ales might be something I have to investigate, as well as more jazz music. Jazz is great. Um, Dark ales like this are great. Uh, If you like this, uh, I think... um, uh, Irish Death is one that we've featured before that mm. has a similar flavor profile um, and is a mm. little easier to find. I vaguely recall that being a little heavier. It is. It, yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, if you're looking on the lighter side, a, a Scotch Ale, like um, Boundary Bay mm. has... Uh, no, sorry, Pike. Um, I was thinking of a different uh, brewery that has an excellent restaurant. Um, but yeah, Pike has Kilt Lifter, which is really excellent mm-hmm. and is a little lighter than this, um, but has some similar flavor notes. Sounds um, fun. And I, and I um, you know, I had I had a bit of an existential crisis earlier today as I grabbed this. I was thinking, I'm like, do I drink beer because I like the flavor or do I drink beer to get drunk? Whoa. And this is a beer where I can drink it to enjoy the flavor. It's not a vehicle to alter my state of mind. It is 
something that gives me flavor and is interesting and kind of makes me sit back and think and and slow down and enjoy it more. I'm only um, halfway through my second one, which Same. historically on the show, I'm usually three, four down by now. <laughs> and, um, and I think it's just, as I said before, kind of the... I don't want to say generic because these people are very hardworking and they, and they make really good beverages that I like. But I think that in my own opinions and reviews moving forward, I'm going to kind of take a step back and think more intensely about the flavor profile because this beer has made me stop and think about what what I like about beer. Wow. And I, I really do enjoy it. I really enjoy it. I would highly recommend it. Um as a you know sit down have with a meal share with a friend um and just sip it enjoy it uh have a good time uh, i really really enjoy this so thank you uh north coast brewing uh, for for providing this uh, it gets me into listening to jazz yeah <laughs> um uh i and i think thelonious monk would be proud that you are having this like philosophical existential sort of pondering uh, around a beer that that has his name on it, um, I I don't believe he's still with us, but wherever he is, I'm I'm sure he he would be happy to be uh, eliciting thoughtfulness and, uh, yeah, like like good jazz, it uh, shows you things inside yourself and uh, make makes you think. You guys are gonna make as me you cry. as you can tell, this is a heavy beer because <laughs> I'm I'm getting randomly philosophical in ways that are incomprehensible. But uh, yeah, I I like this a lot too. It's uh, surprise, it's gotten more drinkable the further into it I've gotten. Um, no, we're high it, octane beers. No way. Yeah, <laughs> it it is really excellent, um, and, and I think would be excellent in particular with a meal. Um, partly because it would cut some of the intoxication of it. But uh, yeah. I, and make you go to sleep immediately if you ate anything heavy. It would so. pair with a McDouble just perfectly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can no, only imagine. No, 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 no. <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> Come on, what man. What doesn't pair with a McDouble, honestly? Sorry, bacon McDouble. Or spicy Ooh. McChicken if you're going to... Get fancy. Oh, yeah, those mm. those are good too. Oh man. Well you heard you heard it first on the Cohops podcast. Uh, <laughs> that's our sommelier. Drink Brother Thelonious uh, Brother Thelonious with a McChicken or a McDouble with bacon. Mm -hmm. Spicy McChicken in particular. Just don't ask me for money. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh well thank you all for joining us. Thank you for listening. Um you can find us. Uh, at uh, Cohops Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitch. Um, you can also send us emails, cohopspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, just be forewarned, unless you say so, we'll probably read the email uh, uh, on our show. So um, just be forewarned of that. Uh, Daniel, our, our guest, where can we find you outside of Meatspace? Outside of Meatspace, Sapient Beard at, on uh, Instagram and Twitter. What a I'm try to get that on Twitch, but uh, I mean the beard controls all, so that's what's going to happen. Well, you need to do like xx sapient beard xx sixty nine underscore four twenty, and I think you'll get it. Yeah, that should be fine. Blaze it! I I couldn't. <laughs> I just made a Street Fighter Five username, and I could not find any of the ones that I typically do. So I just made a uh, 
um, Big Trouble in Little China reference in that. So. <laughs> Nick, where can we find you outside of Meat Space, the Meatverse, the Meatverse. and uh, co-ops? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Nicholas.Prinzing and on Twitter at NPrinzing. You can also go to the Patreon of Ultra 64. I was recently on the final episode of their... Uh, Mortal Kombat series, uh, deep diving into the history of Mortal Kombat. I was on the episode about the the modern era, the NetherRealm era, and that was a whole ton of fun. So uh, check them out for sure. And uh, check me out on those platforms. Yeah. Additional side tangent about Ultra 64. uh, Those guys are great. Um, Listen to their stuff if you have any appreciation for uh, video games at all. They do an excellent, excellent job at doing not only deep dives, but also just talking about video games and having a great time. So I highly recommend you listen to them. Ultra 64. Um, uh, me, Garrett, you can find me at gmank 16 on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, well, that wraps it up for episode 31 of the podcast, uh, to look forward to this month in March, uh, we're going to be having our, uh, way too late review, uh, way too late review and discussion about spec ops, the line, which, uh, has been alluded to in previous episodes and and Daniel's going to be joining that, uh, us for that as well. Yeah. If you liked Daniel Um, here, you'll like him just as much in the spec ops episode. I'm really excited. Uh, this is going to be really interesting from what I gather from the connotation of, the discussion we've been having we haven't been talking too in depth because we're saving it for the podcast but i think we may have uh, pretty different opinions about this game so i'm really excited mm-hmm. and curious to see how that goes and i am staying reserved because i've never played this game before this is my first run through it and we will have a discussion we sure will we will have it's gonna a be discussion. great <laughs> you're not wrong Ooh. Well, uh, thanks again. I know I've said thanks many, many, many times, but uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for participating, sending in your questions. Uh, thank you again for Daniel for jumping in short notice. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, having you on the show. Sure. Always a good time. Um, well, with that, have a good one, everyone. Good night. Yeah.